We are Sarah and Laura. We are doulas, mothers, women, wives, and entrepreneurs. We love a lot of things. The gym, food, coffee, health, kombucha, our families, and our friends. We are so committed to being authentic, honest, and vulnerable and showing up here just the way we are. We promise to never positive wash anything, but please know that we are wholeheartedly committed to radically thriving. With this podcast, we hope to connect on a deeper level and talk about hard stuff. Ultimately, we want women and mothers to know deeply who they are and what makes them feel happy. Whether you're getting into a bath or taking us on a walk with you, or maybe you're commuting to work, we are honored that you chose our podcast to listen to. What's up, Sarah? (laughs) (laughs) How are you? Oh, I'm great. I have chickens. (laughs) You do have chickens. My kids actually want to come over. They can have that conversation. Um, we're away on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So if they want to look out, oh, okay, we can come over. What do I have to do to look after them? Oh, just give them fresh water. Oh, okay, that's easy. More food. Sure. Okay, we'll do that on Friday. Play with them. Give them some worms. Perfect. (laughs) They they look really cute. How are you? I'm good. I love not being on social media right now. That's <laughs> the best. Oh, oh. But speaking of social media, we have somebody who also probably would love to take a break from social media because that would mean she's having a vacation. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, if there's anyone who makes me feel like I have imposter syndrome, it would be this guest because mm-hmm. I'm just looking at her page right now. 749,000 followers on Instagram. <laughs> I can remember when we reached out, we were like, is this the Abby that we're talking to? Is this for real? Fangirl <laughs> moment. Fangirl moment. So there it is. Abby Pollock, fitness trainer. She is CEO and fitness trainer of the fitness, the team plans. She has her own app. She is a fitness guru. She's also an engineer, which makes her extra cool. And she like hacks everything. So it's like, here's the reason why you should be doing this. And here's an even better way of doing yeah. this. That's She's part of love. beautiful and funny. I know. A great mom. <laughs> <laughs> and now her head is too big to fit. Oh in. my gosh! I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get down off this pedestal. Um, oh, hello. I've seen your chicken, Sarah. They're adorable. <laughs> Name all of them? No. I think the kids have named a couple. But welcome to our podcast. We're super happy to have you. Well, I'm happy to be here. Ah, uh, so let's start from the beginning. Tell us about. Mm. Uh, when you hired us, which was the best, because I feel like you hired us a minute or two after you found out. <sighs> My goodness. Okay. Uh-huh. Stepping, stepping back into the past. So before we hopped on, I was trying to remember like, like even the thought process that happened when I thought to reach out to you, to call you. And I, I can't even recall booking a consult call. I don't know any of it. Um, just all of a sudden I was on a call with you guys and I'm like, this is the right step because I just found out I'm six months pregnant and I am absolutely overwhelmed. So let's just put some of this load on somebody else. <laughs> that was, uh, I remember, I remember doing your call though. And you did already know what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So I, I did find out I was pregnant six months. We will get into that. Um, But I had been, I'd say like for a little bit, excited about the idea of birth, excited about the idea of pregnancy. I had had a friend last year who I guess had been, she had her baby in March. Like she was pregnant before me. I don't know timelines, but she was pregnant around that time. And I'd done a bunch of reading with her and a bunch of kind of prep work. And we were looking into things and I was learning so much. And I was like, you know what, maybe pregnancy isn't this big, bad, scary thing that everyone kind of makes it out to be, you know, all of my teenage worries about watching miracle birth and health, health class. Um, you know, maybe this is actually doable. Obviously it is. But I had done a bit of preliminary research into pelvic health and, uh, you know, pelvic, all that stuff, kind of from my fitnessy standpoint, like you said, I, I dig into things. I definitely go down the rabbit hole. Um, so I, I did know some things and I'd been following some kind of mommy as well as birth and doula accounts on Instagram, but it was a very casual hobby interest. And then all of a sudden it became real. And so I reached out to you. <laughs> Tell us about the journey of finding out that you were pregnant. Yeah. So 2022, um, we will turn back to that. So 
I work in fitness, which means that you would think I am very in tune with my body. That was definitely my belief going into all of this. Now to even jump back to um, probably before I became pregnant and, and all of that, I had been on hormonal birth control for the better portion. I don't even want to see my adult life. I was on, I was on birth control from the time I think I was 13. Um, the classic story of, I had irregular, heavy, really uncomfortable periods. My doctor said, we're going to make all your problems go away. Great. Thank you so much. (laughs) So I was on that and long story short, they discontinued the pill I'd been on in Canada. I tried switching a couple of times, um, during the pandemic and I just, wasn't feeling good. And I'd never at least had side effects that I could have noticed before. Maybe I had been experiencing things, but I just kind of, that was my baseline. So I didn't know any different, but when I switched pills, I really was just not doing well. And, you know, being in fitness, like I I'm aware if I'm bloating, right. I'm aware if my digestion isn't moving how it normally does, or if I'm just feeling very inflamed through my body and I was not feeling good. And so I kind of, you know, asked around, asked my doctor, said, hey, like, can we maybe try a different birth control, you know, monophasic, triphasic, throwing around all these words. And I, I had started poking around into fertility and pregnancy stuff. And I thought maybe now's the time to try coming off the pill, to try regulating my hormones. You know, I've been in fitness. I've done some crazy diets and crazy training. I used to compete in bodybuilding. I've done all sorts of wild stuff. My hormones probably aren't in the best way. So (laughs) why don't I take this time in my mind? I thought I'd be taking a couple of years to regulate my cycle, balance my hormones, get in really, really good health. So that hopefully I could get pregnant when I was ready. Um, came off the pill in September of 2021. I had regular periods, which was shocking news to me. It was very exciting. Um, some super you know, stressful, whatever stuff went on toward the end of that year. Um, period went away, which was not completely foreign to me because before going on the pill, I had had irregular periods. It wasn't unheard of for me to like when I first got my period, I think I got it every three or four months. And it was like, you know, monsoon when it came. Um, not a good time. So I just thought it'll be back in a little bit. I know this isn't great, but I'm going through some stuff mentally. I'm going to work on that. Then I'll come back and focus on my physical health more. So I took a pregnancy test in January, you know, nothing, me being silly, never pregnant before. I thought you could take one pregnancy test and you're not pregnant. <laughs> I just believe and, it. I just believe <laughs> Just believe it. I bought an expensive one too. Not even a dollar store one. We had a $15 store pregnancy tests once. And no, now I have an Amazon hundred pack that I keep in my bathroom. (laughs) Just out on hand. I want to ask you, I mean, now you've had so many mental states of, you know, pill to 13 to getting pregnant, yeah. then you have pregnancy hormones, then you have postpartum hormones. Oh, so I don't yeah. even know that you could even properly answer this question, but I'm wondering, like, can you speak to mental clarity, mental health feelings while you were on the pill? And it was yeah. part of what you were sent when you said you could tell the different ones were making you bloated. I just noticed you didn't say anything about how you felt. Yeah. And I know. So you, I, yeah. yeah, I did feel, and it, it was, it was tough timing because of course, like, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people's instinct, it feels bad saying it loud, but I'm like, my instinct was to gaslight myself. Right. Because, you know, this is something that a, a doctor prescribed that they said, you know, this is good. This is right. You were on this pill. This is similar. If you didn't have side effects, then this should theoretically make sense. And it was during the pandemic. So I know everybody's mental health kind of suffered at that time. It was obviously really difficult not seeing people for a while um, and all of that. But I could not shake the feeling that I was not thinking clearly. Um, I, I just felt like there was a bit of a cloud over me. And I was really like, just kind of pessimistic, which again, in the context of the pandemic, I think that was a bit more common in everybody than, you know, had we not been in the midst of that but it did feel different to me. And it, it took me a long time though, because I tried switching pills a couple of times once I started feeling this way. And I think I probably spent like <clears throat> another year, maybe just over a year trying to switch pills, trying to figure it out before I'm like, no, I think there might be something else to this. And that was just kind of a decision I made on my own because I felt like I tried a lot and I was really sick of feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that it was the same for me. And I didn't notice it either until switching. I was on 
depo from when I was 15 to when I was 23. And then we had bought a house and I knew that like marriage and kids were coming. So I switched so I could be on the pill. So it wasn't something that was in my system for longer. And when I switched to the pill, I was immediately like more depressed, more pessimistic, suicidal thoughts, crying all the time. And then I was, I was actually speaking to an aunt of mine who was like, you're not right. Like the way you're acting right now is actually not normal. She doesn't even remember saying that to me, which is hilarious because for me, it was like a monumental moment where I was like, oh, I'm actually not myself. And then went off it and then realized that like that person who I was from 15 to 23 was not even accurate. Right. Right. Yeah. It felt like a lot of, and I mean, the more I haven't thought about in a while, but I did feel like, and I've heard other women describe it this way online. It's, it's like a veil is lifted or a cloud is lifted. And it's like, yes, I'm still me, but it's kind of like, I can think clearly and, you know, the lens I'm looking through, I just feel like I'm able to see things more rationally, like in a, from a more grounded position versus everything being, you know, if one bad thing happens, it's like, okay, I'm spiraling, right? Everything would make me spiral. I felt like at that time. So true. So true. I could do a whole podcast about birth control (laughs) and having to raise children in an environment where you, oh my gosh, it's like overwhelming. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you were bloated. It's January. You're peeing on sticks. One okay. dip. Okay. It's negative. negative. So you're not. Okay. So here's, here's the thing in January, we were not yet bloated. Um, I was, I was pretty stressed toward the end of the year. So I like, and I've been very honest about this. I was not taking good care of my body. I was not eating right. I was not sleeping right. I was on a bit too much caffeine because, you know, trying to get things done, burning the candle at both ends. Um, so I had been probably, I wasn't weighing myself, but you know, when I look back at pictures, I'd probably been losing weight. Um, just wasn't eating a lot, wasn't sleeping a lot, wasn't really taking the best care of my body. Um, so there were not any signs beyond the missing period that, that would even make that cross my mind. You know, like I was very lean at the time. Um, I wasn't really hungry. You know, my notions about pregnancy were that, oh, I'm just going to be ravenous and eating everything, which now I know in the first trimester, probably not. Um, but uh, you didn't feel any nausea in that first one, obviously. No, no nausea. I just, maybe in hindsight, you know, when I thought about it, I'm like, maybe I had some food aversions because I wasn't very hungry, but in the past when I've been stressed, I don't get very hungry. So it's like all these things that were kind of conveniently similar to, they were easy to explain away in my own head. Like it, it genuinely, did not enter my thinking sphere of, of a possibility, which is like so silly, right? Um, maybe that's from just, you know, being on birth control so long that you don't even consider like pregnancy as a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah so many stories about people having difficulty conceiving. Which I thought would be me. Coming off of birth control. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was like, I'm going to come off now to maybe be able to do this in a couple right. of years. Yeah. So we can skip this question if it's yeah. TMI. Um, but so you're you're coming off of, of birth control. What are you using for? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I had in my in my big plot to come off of birth control, I started looking into um, I, I don't know if people call it like the natural family planning or like yeah. rhythm, whatever, whatever it is, right? Uh the basal body temperature, you check your temperature every morning. Um, you know, you can pay attention to mucus and stuff like that. I, to be honest, I think I could really only stay co- consistent with the temperature, but I did my temperature every morning. I tracked it. I was using the natural cycles app. Um, and that I felt like when I was getting my period, those first few months was pretty accurate. I could actually see like in the little charts that it gave you, okay, it goes up, it comes down. Um, I don't feel like at that point I was in tune enough with kind of the more energetic changes that happened throughout my cycle. Cause it was so new to me. And I'm like, finally at like 10 months postpartum starting to feel that again. Oh, I should mention, I just had my first period postpartum. Very excited. Um, which is funny. I, I know great timing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I should have mentioned that, but, um, I didn't really notice energetic changes at that point. So it was all off of the temperature and I kind of relied on that, but it was pretty accurate. When I lost my period, the temperature stopped being as reliable of a predictor. It wasn't varying as much from day to day. 
And with that though, so I don't care about TMI, um, within the natural cycles app, you get red days and green days. I'm sure, sure different apps do it different ways, but it's basically like on red days, you need to use protection. You need to like, you know, be safe, um, on green days, you know, do whatever the heck you want. Right. Um, the like statistical likelihood of you getting pregnant is whatever they deem to be very low. Um, so I was following that and, I think I maybe toward when my, when I lost my period, I guess, or things started getting dysregulated. I mean, I'm guessing that's when this happened, but the thing that still throws me off because I've thought of this a million times and I'm, I'm still perplexed, you know, and like, again, just being very honest about it, like December of that year, I was really just not mentally doing well. I was stressed. Like I'm not, I'm not out here having sex every day. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not out here. I'm not out here trying to get pregnant at doing anything at any sort of frequency that you would think might lead to pregnancy. Um, I've, I've even joked. I'm like, I I actually don't know that I was pregnant before six months. I might've just become pregnant uh, yeah. six months somehow okay. like it was immaculate yeah. conception I'm not sure fair yeah enough. fair enough I hear you so did you have a cycle in October November and December yep yeah okay so you had a bleed in December then you got would have got pregnant two weeks after that then I think that the timing works out around that yeah so you didn't really lose your period you were just pregnant yeah I guess yeah yeah sure. Okay. Okay. So January is. I guess my period went away, but it's because I was pregnant. (laughs) Yep. So January, no cycle. Take the pregnancy test. Yeah. Maybe only take. It was probably too early. I probably took it too early. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Yeah, that makes. I want to be really clear that like when we're laughing and stuff, like I we can laugh in hindsight. And you are one of the smartest people that we both know. So I think it's so important to share this story and be like, this can happen. It's wild. It's unhinged. In tune with their body. Like it is possible. It's not a DLC special. I mean, I hope this happens to me, right? Because um all of a sudden I'm three four months to go. Yeah. Like gift. we also do the, the family planning method. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just really hope a baby ends up out of it. <laughs> and I am turning 41 in a few weeks and my husband's 43 and he would not like for that to be the plan. No. He would not like I don't want it to be, to be the plan. That is not in the business plan at all. It'll be a very <laughs> podcast recorded and it'll be a solo episode. You know what happens <laughs> great job of running a business with a baby yeah she does it's 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 chaotic um it's chaotic I don't I have my own thoughts and feelings about that <laughs> you could do your own podcast with yeah baby. yeah like sorry yeah <laughs> uh I I don't I've never do the thermometer but um I definitely like I'm very clear on the different um You've got Cer- fluid to track. The cervical yes. fluid. Yes. Yeah, I can tell when this one's like, I need a baby stat. Yeah. And <laughs> the other ones that are like, nah, we don't like babies. Yeah, not really interested. <laughs> this is not a slide today. Yeah, no. no. But today, I've been so off track this, like this month, I'm just not with moving and everything. Mm-hmm. Today I spotted it and I'm like, what? Yeah. I thought it was ovulating. I'm day 10, so it makes sense. Day 26. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, pardon me. <laughs> But I, my app is always like, you've been tracking for 10 years. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't even know I've had an iPhone that long. <laughs> okay, where were we? <laughs> yes, okay. So, all right. Okay, so we're January, February. Um, Took the pregnancy test. I am stupid. So I, no, like you're we, not. Said, we said I'm smart, but like, okay. But in health class, they fear mongered so much about don't have unprotected sex. Like the mean girl scene, you'll have sex, you'll get pregnant, you'll die. Right. They never talked about the practical aspect of like, you need to take more than one pregnancy test. So I just thought, oh, I'll get whatever, you know, the fancy brand one is at, at shoppers and I'll take it. And if it says I'm not pregnant, then I'm not pregnant. And that's that. And, um, you know, my temperature wasn't changing. So I did continue tracking my morning temperature for a bit. Uh, you know, no changes in hunger, no changes in like really anything else. I was, I was pretty stressed. I was just kind of trying to deal with that. And, um, you know, weight wasn't changing. My body didn't feel any different. I was doing a lot of training at that point. That was 
as we were leading into our app launch. So like really my plate was beyond full. Um, and so January, February, March, April, um, then we arrive in May. Uh, I don't think there's anything to fill in the gaps in there. Is there anything that you feel like I wanted to mention there? I don't think anything notable happened in there. I was just busy. I was living life. I had like a summer of running races planned. You know, I was doing my thing. Um, so come May, I think it was probably like the second or third week of May. And relevant piece of information, I'm an IBS girly. Uh, fight her daily. We're actually doing great. But um, I feel like pregnancy might have cured my IBS. But I, yeah, love that. Is that true? Can um, that happen? Is that like extra stem cells or extra? I, I don't things? know, but Oof. my symptoms really disappeared. Yeah, I've heard it from, from that people. perspective. Also, I'm a firm believer and people listening to this who have IBS can prove me wrong, but I think IBS people tend to have better births. Mm. I mean, you are used to feeling a lot down there. Yes, you're well-versed <laughs> at coping yeah. with pain that comes and goes. Yeah. Everyone that I've done has ended up going the better route mm-hmm. so I do have IBS um yeah. now you know we're gonna we're getting into it today so there are different types of IBS I have IBSD if IBS is like a spectrum on one end you're getting diarrhea on the other end you have constipation like I go to the bathroom too often I'm at that end of the spectrum so what really threw me off and was a red flag for me in May was that I was not going to the bathroom which is like so so unusual Um, I was backed up and it wasn't just like, oh, you know, maybe I ate too much fiber one day or like, oh, there was something really clear that I could tie this to. Like I was not going to the bathroom. And so I kind of, you know, initially did the regular things that helped me. I got a little extra sleep. I made sure to drink a little more water, right? When you give yourself a little bit of extra self-care, see if we can get things moving again, go on some walks, nothing. I figured, okay, whatever. Um, you know, maybe I'll go to, maybe I'll go to the store and pick up some of that, those nasty detox teas that just, you know, but they get things moving. Hate those things. Got that, tried what I thought was kind of a tame approach at first. And historically when I've had these teas, it has been violent. Um, and like what day like, of the poops are we at here? This was probably, I don't think I went on the weekends. It's maybe like three or four days not going. Um, which is like not good because when you're still eating and there's nothing coming out, that starts to be a little disconcerting. So had had the detox slim tea, um, literally nothing. Like I didn't even feel, and this is what really threw me, normally, because most of them are stimulant laxatives, that's the way they work. So you start to feel spasms in your stomach, right? Um, I didn't feel anything. I felt nothing. Uh, I didn't feel anything moving. I didn't feel any of the muscles spasming, like something was off down there. So I went back to the store because I wasn't in a huge rush and this is on me, but I wasn't in a huge rush to be waiting in line, like at a walk-in or something for hours on end. So I got stuff to do, right? So I went back to shoppers and I got some more laxatives, right? I'm like, you know what? Let's just stock up because this is very unusual. And at this point I'm worried because I'm hungry. I want to keep eating, but I'm not going to the bathroom, right? And that's not okay. So I picked up some things. I have like a picture in my camera roll of everything that we got, but I'm not kidding when I say I cleared them out. I got the Dalkalax tablets. I got the Senecot tablets. I think I got another tea. I got castor oil. I got, um, what the heck are they? They're the suppositories. I got every type of laxative that is available and some I didn't even know were available. I had to look up a tutorial for how to use one of them. Um, So that was where I was at. And I think I, so if I had the detox tea on maybe like Wednesday, this was probably by Thursday that I, you know, started cranking things up a notch, um, trying some different things. And, you know, again, I wasn't exactly following the instructions because I just want things to get moving. So I try one thing in the morning, nothing. Okay, we're gonna try something else at night, right? I was, I was doing an experiment here. Um, nothing was moving. So come Friday, this was the Friday going into the May long weekend. And I just figured, I'm like, you know what? 
nothing is happening. I feel really weird. And I will not lie. I did WebMD some things, which is never the right answer. And I was convinced never the right answer. Right. So I'm like, okay, I either have a bowel obstruction or I have, you know, you've seen these horror stories of women who have ovarian cysts, you know, they've never had cysts before. And, and it ends up being like this massive thing and it can block blood flow. It can block other stuff there. It can be really dangerous. Right. And so of course my worry is like, what if I have a cyst and it affects my future fertility in hindsight, the irony. Right. Um, so, you know, I was talking to my mom, I'm like, what should I do? I feel very funny. She says, just, why don't you just go to urgent care and see if you can get seen before the long weekend, because it might be difficult to get in over the weekend just for peace of mind. Why don't you do this? So kind of begrudgingly, um, I went to urgent care. Funny enough, the first urgent care I went to, like they, for some reason, weren't open. They weren't accepting more people that day. So I had to go to the ER, um, which I felt honestly very silly going to the ER because I'm like, I, I don't even know what's wrong with me. And there are people here who have very serious issues. So I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to hunker down so I'll be here for at least like six or seven hours waiting um even when they checked me in I was just like I don't know why I'm here um so I waited I waited I waited and this whole time you know I I had on my camera roll I took pictures of every laxative I took just in case the doctor asked (laughs) and I had I'm like okay here are my theories I'm gonna like write up what I think it is so I kept a log of everything um so when I finally get called back by this point, they'd done kind of their basic intake of like temperature, blood draw, all that stuff, but the blood draw clearly had not come back yet. And, uh, so I get in there and it's a younger ER doctor and he was great. Um, I just said, Hey, you know, I have IBS this, I haven't pooped in a week. This is very weird for me. I know that that's obviously a problem, you know, things have to be moving. Um, and I just want to make sure I want to figure out what's going on basically, because I can't keep going on like this. At that point I had actually, it was beyond the point of just kind of bloating. And it was actually really uncomfortable for me. It felt like a lot of pressure in there. And I was starting to have trouble like eating or drinking because it just felt like too much. So he said, okay, you know, let's, I I kind of gave him my history and everything. He said, okay, let's palpate the area first, because if it is an obstruction, normally you can kind of get some preliminary information. Right. And I'm still like, I'm like, great. He's listening to me. He hears me. He sees me like he's validating my feelings. So I'm like, yep, go ahead. And here's the thing. He agreed with my initial theory. He's like, okay, there definitely is firmness in the area that could be around your bowel. Um, if this is a bowel obstruction, he was explaining to me, he's like, you know, the way that this would typically go would be an a manual extraction, which I had Googled everything. So I know what that means. I know that means that there is a finger going up your butthole. And I'm like, I don't care. Let's, let's get it moving. Right. It let's, yeah. let's do this right now. I don't, you don't have to beat around the bush with me. Um, so, so he said, okay, manual extraction, whatever. Um, but he said, cause I did voice my concerns, but what if this, like, could this be an ovarian cyst? Like, could this be a growth anywhere? I just want to make sure because I'm in here because we spent all this time waiting, like, let's just make extra sure. So he said, okay, what we can do is we could do some imaging just to see a like confirm it's bowel obstruction. Um, and if it is like, let's see where it's at to make sure that we could manually extract. And then he says, if it's not, you know, we could figure out if it's something else. So either this man was giving an Oscar worthy performance or he was really on my side and he believed it was a bowel obstruction, which I think he did. So he goes out of the room and I'm still in like the ER room. So I'm just kind of, you know, separated by those like shower curtain things. Right. And this is COVID time. So I had to be back there alone. I was on my own through this. So he goes and he gets, you know, their kind of old ER ultrasound machine. I guess the fancier ones are elsewhere. So he pulls that in first machine doesn't work. I'm like, okay, whatever. Second machine goes and gets, goes and gets the second machine, puts the the gel on the belly, you know, gets it going. And, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking, you know, waiting for him to confirm our suspicions. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, you're, you're pregnant. Like that. This is not, this is not bloating. told you right away. Yeah. And in his defense, I don't know what else he was going to say. Right. Fair. I just, your bowel. Yeah. I always just (laughs) thought you never knew until you were up to OBGYN. No, no, no. So he said, this is not an obstruction. This is a baby. And so I, in that moment, um, 
not was not even on my mind in no, my that's mind. Not on list. That's no. right. That was on my list. I went in with a list. Yeah, and that was so not on my list. Not a one. That's not on the list. Not on my list. And so I'm like, how dare he? Trying to process this, and clearly I was in shock, or I wasn't thinking. So I'm like, no, I don't think he meant that. <laughs> pregnant with like maybe like maybe he's maybe he's using like you know like one of those funny terms that doctors use like bedside manner or something like I don't know right this can't be can you still hear me I think one of my earbuds died yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. okay awesome um so I'm like no no and I'm like like I didn't know what to say right because I wasn't going in here with that expectation so I I think my next question was like well how pregnant um like and I I think I myself might have actually meant how did I get pregnant but I think the way it came across <laughs> was, you know, how far along. And he's like, it's pretty developed, like maybe six months. <laughs> I I just like, I didn't believe him. And I think he was also really trying to read the room in that moment because clearly I was not expecting this. So he turned the machine toward me and lo and behold, like he, it was, it was well pregnant. Um, I saw a hand, I saw like a fully developed head, spine, like feet. Um, and like I'm not, I'd never seen like a baby ultrasound before, but this looks like things that people post on Instagram. So I'm like, oh, this must be a pretty developed baby. This is not like a tadpole, right? No, that's like a 20-week minimum. Right, right. So I'm like, I was so messed up in that moment. I really, like, I really didn't know what to say I don't think he knew what to say um I think he, I think what he said next was like were you expecting this and I'm like absolutely not and I was I was straight up with him I'm like absolutely not the closest uh, thing I can relate to it to the feeling you're oh, having is I I went in at 32 weeks because I was measuring yeah. large um with and and the ultrasound tech told me that it was twins and I was <laughs> But There's I another one. <laughs> this like the incredulousness is like, but that's not the plan for me. No, no. Yeah. And I'm a very like type A, like we do it by the book kind of person. Yeah. So it was it was a lot in that moment. I think in that moment, like I was not my head, she was elsewhere. Um, I feel like I was floating above my body. And I mm-hmm. think he was kind of in in that moment too. Like he was a younger guy. I don't know if he was like a resident or what but he was pretty young. So I'm going to guess he had not maybe seen this before. Um, and so, you know, we completely forgot about the fact that I hadn't pooped in a week. And he's like, I think we should, I think we should get you some more scans. I think we should probably take another look at your blood work. I think we should get you some scans. I'm going to call around and see who might be able to do some more scans right now. Because by this point, it was like, I don't know, I'd been in the waiting room at the ER for like six or so hours. So it was probably 9 p.m., by the time that all this rolled around. So not everybody would be there during the day was available and we're going into a long weekend, right? So it's not like you just have a bunch of like OBGYNs chilling. Um, so he ended up sending me up to labor and delivery because that was the only area that they had more ultrasound machines and some people who might be able to step out and get some more scans. Keep in mind, I'm on my own. Um, I'm not going to share this news with, I'm still processing this for me. And I'm not going to share this with anybody via text. Cause how, how do you like, how does that not come across as a joke, a very weird joke. Um, so I navigate my way up to labor and delivery. Um, that, you know, the nurses were lovely. Uh, they were like, I guess you must've shared enough of it that they're like, yay. I'm like, yeah yeah but also like did you did you see anyone in labor and delivery like in the throes of labor because I feel like that's a shock it was a ghost town so I got sent up to it and they kind of didn't know what to do with me for a bit so I sat in the waiting room for about an hour I think then they put me in a private room which I don't know if this was like an exam room or what I've never been to this part of the hospital before um so I had a private room I had my own bathroom that was pretty nice so I was chilling there this whole time, this whole time, I'd only told a few people that I was at the hospital because I thought it was kind of silly. And like, I'm also not going to advertise to everybody that I know that I haven't pooped in a week. Um, so my mom was checking up on me. Um, Jeff was checking up on me and I'm like, yeah, no, we're going to get more scans now, which wasn't a lie, but was also not the full truth. So here I am up in the room trying to like 
you know, figure like literally anything out. Um, I was Googling things. I don't even know what I was Googling at that point. And I'm just sitting there waiting because they said, okay, we're going to have another person come in to do a blood draw, get some additional, I don't know what they're checking for, all kinds of things. They, they confirmed I was pregnant, which was good, even though I just literally seen that there was baby on the yeah, screen. I'm going to need multiple confirmations on this right, one. Right, right. Um, they said, yeah, your blood results, you're definitely pregnant. Cool. Thank you. Um, so I told the nurse, I'm like, okay, well, Jeff's downstairs in the ER. He doesn't really know what's going on. I don't really want to like FaceTime this, you know, I know it's COVID, but could we maybe get him up here? And so they did in fact find a way to get him up there. Um, which was a whole other thing because I just gave him a call and I'm like, Hey, um, things are going well scans, you know, they've moved me to a different room. It's very nice. I'm very comfortable here. They actually said you could come up, which is great. Um, so what you're going to do, cause he was coming from the other side of the hospital. I'm like, you're going to follow these signs. You're going to get off at this floor in the elevator. Um, but maybe just like, don't really pay attention to what floor you're going to just look at the numbers. Right. Cause you'd see that it was labor and delivery. Like, right. You yeah. know, that's a bit of a, it's a little confusing. On your route. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he goes and he's and he, apparently along the way, like there were multiple people greeting him and moving him upstairs, which I mean, you know, guys, way to be low key. Yeah. Um, so he comes up and he's like, yeah, I noticed it. I was coming into labor and delivery. And he, so he comes into the room and he's like, you want to tell me what's going on? And I'm like, well, um, I am pregnant. He's like, okay. You know, as I came up, I had two theories. One was that you were somehow pregnant and having a baby right now. And the other was, was that you are maybe pregnant. So I'm like, (laughs) yes, I am. So of his two theories, the better one was true. I mean, the better one was true. That's definitely the preferable outcome. Um, so at that point I was still just like in, in and around my own head, Um, There was a resident who was able to come in and I guess between births do some more ultrasounding. Um, Again, having never done this before, like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at. To be honest, I don't think she fully knew what she was looking at because she said some things that definitely raised some flags and maybe concerned about like, you know, placenta placement, um, some stuff with like, I think, I think we're worried about was like, uh, I don't know if it's anything. Uh, what's the one where your placenta is not in the right place and it's not a good thing? Previa? Yeah, yeah. There were like some concerns about that based on what she was saying. And I'm like, oh, great. So I'm going to go into a long weekend. I can't get an appointment. I can't call an office until next week. And so now I have to sit with potentially, I work in fitness. My livelihood comes from being able to move my body. The potential of being on bed rest for the foreseeable next many weeks is deeply concerning. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, so there were... That was not exactly um, a, a calming. It was it was on a, a very jarring night. That one was was a lot, and going home from the hospital after that was a lot. Um, funny in hindsight, some parts, but like I do, n- I did not enjoy like my time in labor and delivery that night, being just freaked out about like, how am I six months pregnant? I am definitely six months pregnant. We don't know anything about the health of this baby. Um, I, myself, had not been the most healthy, especially at the start of my pregnancy. I've not been treating my body the way that I would had I known I was carrying a child. Um, so yeah, there was, that was a lot when I found out. I remember when we chatted to you, just coming back to me now, um, one of the things that, you know, you had lived through that and we're meeting you now after that. And so mm-hmm. as we're listening to you, we're hearing that, there's actually nothing crazy here though. You're actually not high risk and yeah. you really don't need an OB. So I remember yeah. that first conversation we were like, Hey, have you considered a midwife? And then that was kind of the beginning of like the trajectory yeah. change. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know why, like, I mean that, that initial, you know, set of scans the night that I found out, like, again residents are learning you know I'm gonna cut her some slack it was obviously a very weird situation for everybody and she was lovely like you know it's not her fault that maybe she read things wrong or had things a little flipped around um that spooked me and then I think I like I don't know if it was like weird mom 
sudden mom guilt. I don't know what you want to call yeah. it, but I'm like, because I hadn't like done, I hadn't been taking prenatals. I hadn't been doing all the things that you think you're supposed to do during pregnancy. I'd been eating like really randomly and drinking way too much, too much caffeine. Um, I'm like, well, I just, everybody had been kind of treating me as if there was something riskier going on. Yeah, like how could but, this baby be okay? How is right? It- how could it, exactly? Yeah. How could this like, baby be okay? About like how much the average person drinks alcohol, and luckily you don't even drink. So no, I don't drink. Thank that's goodness. Amazing. I don't drink. I don't smoke. So yeah, that's great. Um, which was lucky, right? But um, yeah, I, I guess I had it in my head that I was high risk, maybe because like it was just such a stress for me in that moment that I'm like, well, obviously, you know, I. I can't and and I think too like it was it wasn't just like a big shock to me obviously finding out that I was six months pregnant but it was really um a jolt to the trust that I had on my own body because I did feel especially coming off the pill like that had been so empowering for me to start feeling in tune with my body again and I was I was pretty upset when I thought I lost my period but I was obviously pregnant like I was upset because I felt like I was you know, not taking care of myself. And I was having like this regression back to irregular periods and like not really feeling in tune with my body. And, you know, I just felt like I wasn't in a great way. Um, And so then when I found out I was pregnant, I'm like, oh, like, this is just another blow to my self-esteem kind of, and like a, a pretty significant one to be like, like, this is embarrassing. Like I'm a grown ass woman. I work in fitness. I, how could I not know this? Right. You know, and, and I was being pretty critical and hard on myself at the time, I think, because like, I, it just, it wasn't clicking for me. Like I, I was not processing it. Like it really, I'd like to say like within the first week that I think I started processing it, but like, I didn't even, like, I feel like even going into postpartum, like there are still parts of me that are like, but how, you know, um, holding a lot of like opposing feelings for a long time with that. Um, but then when I did start talking to you guys, I, and I think like, I think one of the, one of the turning points, cause there were like a lot, I mean, so maybe it's not a turning point, but like one of the things that started building my confidence again was when I did the initial consult with you guys, I, I just kind of talked and like, Hey, look, I need help. I don't know what help I need, but like, what can we do? Right. And I think you guys recommended, you know, okay, here's how doula stuff works. Um, here's, you know, obviously we would normally start sooner, but you know, we got lots that we can do in the, in the meantime. And you guys had one of your, uh, in-person, um, like the kitchen table prenatal coming up on your in-person classes. And I'm like, this would be really good because I feel like I need like a community. I feel like I just need like some in-person something. Um, I feel like I need to see other pregnant people. I just need to not feel weird right now. Um, and, and I just like, I liked that it felt very like it would give me a more holistic view of the whole experience I was about to go into because you know I picked up bits and pieces here and there but like I had not been preparing for birth or preparing for pregnancy and so I kind of just felt like okay like let's at least get a foundation of something here right um you know I can research all day on my own but at the same time like I'm still working full-time I'm still quite busy in my everyday life like I I need something to work off of here and so when I did when I did that class and I think like even in just like sharing that I was pregnant with other people too because that was that was also very scary for me and it always feels silly being like because I'm on social media it was more intimidating but I don't know I think it's always like a bit of a thing when you share it with like family but it's exciting like sharing it on social media was very scary for me again, because it was such a blow to my confidence to then like share this incredibly vulnerable thing that like, you know, some things when it's very vulnerable and very personal to you, you can kind of share it on your own time. But like, here I am all of a sudden showing a baby bump and it's like, you know, people are going to have questions. You had a six pack last week. What is going on over here, girl? Like, so, um, to be honest, I, I never, I don't know that I ever read that from you. Like, I don't feel like that's how it came across on social media. Like you, yeah, I, it, it felt like, because you're a very funny person too. I think you definitely how I cope with things. Yeah. (laughs) You you played it off as if like, this is great and funny and yeah. Yeah. Hearing you share the, just the humanity of it is that, yeah, I would say a blow to your self-esteem I feel like that course then would have been in June. 
Is that I want to say it was like early, early June, maybe. Okay, so yeah. you've only known for a couple weeks. Yeah, like it was fresh. And it had, was fresh when I went back. I feel like you already had a midwife by that point then. No. So I was with an OB. So when I found out I was pregnant that night in the ER, they, I guess, like put me in the system. And the following week, I had about a million appointments yeah. um, for scans and meeting people and checking things and doing other things. Um, so that week I was assigned an OB. Um, and I do remember my first meeting with him that week. And I was like, I didn't really know what to expect, but I was a little taken aback at how uh, hands off he was like, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I went in, I'm like, okay, like, great. Like young, young, younger OB. I'm like, maybe, you know, he'll be kind of, you know, more with, more with the times and, um, you know, a little more dynamic than just kind of like stiff and, you know, like how older doctors can be. And he just, um it was kind of like an energy thing. Like I just felt like he was in the room, but he wasn't really there with me. And I'm like, okay, so you know that I just found out I'm pregnant six months. Um, I shared with him that I was like feeling pretty stressed and like a little bit like, like guilty about that. And like, there were just, I wanted, I wanted to know, like, is there anything I should be aware of right now? Is there any, what can I do basically to catch up? What can I do to feel okay about this? And what can I do to ensure that like, we're getting this on track in whatever way it needs to be. So, you know, make sure you pick up a prenatal. And I'm like, oh, um, okay. So like I work in fitness. I'm very active. I run, I lift weights. Is there anything, if you're already doing it, keep doing it. And I'm like, okay, thank you so much for that incredibly detailed advice. Um, I, that did not calm me at all. Uh, you know, like that and that, you know, that wasn't, I guess that kind of started to rebuild my confidence because I'm like the fact that this isn't even on his radar to consider, like I was going to ask him, I'm like, should I be adjusting my RPE with weight? Should I be adjusting my rep range? Should I be adjusting my rest? What about my heart rate? Like, he has no this idea. Is, this is where my brain is at. Right. And he's like, nah, if you're doing it, keep doing it. I'm like, okay. Like I was training for like a half marathon this summer. I think we should scale that back a bit. Um, so then I went to the, then I went to the prenatal class and I'm like, okay, this is like more my language where we're going into like the nitty gritty of things. This is starting to actually ease some of, you know, the, the concerns I had, you know, there were things that I was thinking about and it also let me know like the things that I wasn't thinking about, but now I can think about. Um, and that, that felt really good because all of a sudden I felt like I was kind of starting to get in my element again. You know, I've, I've been, and you know, throughout my pregnancy, like I draw, I drew a lot of analogies to fitness because that's what I know. But I'd been at a lot of points in my fitness journey and you, when, you know, whenever I hit a wall or whenever I hit an obstacle, like I can always kind of research my way around it. I can dig a little deeper. I can educate myself and I can, even if I don't know what the outcome is going to be, or I don't know, you know, necessarily what's going to happen next, like at least I can be prepared. And that gives me confidence. That makes me feel okay. And it puts some of those, some of that anxiety at ease. So I feel like you know, those first few weeks, of course, I had a ton of appointments to catch up on what had been missed in, in the many months that I'd been pregnant. Um, but uh, I think I also like I, I started to just kind of like, I, I'm like, this is my reality. Here's how I think I can start to feel better about things. I started researching, I started educating myself, surrounding myself with resources, obviously, and a good support network. And then when you mentioned, I think it might have been maybe after the kitchen table thing, I think we did our, like our first meeting shortly ish after that. And I think that's when we really started to get into, okay, like, why are you with an OB? Like we talked about what my like hopes and dreams were for my birth. And you were kind of like, you know, during the kitchen table, when you said like, I forget what you guys said, like a scale of one to 10, how likely you were to have an epidural. Like if you're like, I forget which way you put the thing, but I was basically like, I don't want one. Yeah, I'm like, I absolutely, when it, comes, when it comes to intervention, don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think you, you kind of gave me a serious talk. You're like, okay, you're not loving your OB. You're not actually high risk. Like there's nothing that points to being high risk. Your OB even is not worried about what you're doing at this point. Um, 
I don't know that you're going to get the outcome that you want continuing down that route because you express some very strong opinions when you were at the class. And I don't know that that's aligned with the path that you're currently on. And I was like, you know, you're not wrong. <laughs> like, but I didn't know what it, I didn't know what an alternative would look like. Right. Like I, I just learned about the cascade of intervention, right? Which I didn't really know about. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not as easy as just saying, I don't want the epidural because sometimes they do certain things that, you know, put you kind of on a path that make the epidural come up. And I just thought I could have like, you know, if I didn't want the epidural, it'd be easy breezy. I'd be at the hospital. I'd have my baby. I'd say, no, thank you. I don't want that. But then I learned about, you know, like, okay, there's shift changes. There's people who are going to try to do constant fetal monitoring. Like there's OBs who make it impatient with you. They might say that you're stalling. They might say that you're not progressing fast enough. They might not, they might restrict your movement. And so that's when we really started reconsidering, you know, like, okay, I think the care provider's wrong. I also don't like the way that he's talking to me. I don't like that. I feel dismissed um, in meeting in appointments that are, are literally about me. Right. Um, you know, if, if you're going to be here, then be here and be present with me. This is kind of a major event in my life. Um, so I switched to midwives and I was actually shocked. I, I remember you guys sent me a bunch of ones I could apply to and you sent me a bunch because I, if, if I recall correct, like everybody was having trouble getting in with midwife teams and a lot of them were booked up. And even if you applied at the start of your pregnancy, like there were some clinics that still weren't taking people. So I was nervous. And I remember I had one that I really wanted to get. And I'm like, you know what, like you'll get attached. And I sent in all my forms online. I'm like, literally that one called me first. They're like, yeah, we have an opening. I'm like, no freaking way. Um, you know, the stars are actually aligning on some things here. So I did switch my care team over to midwives immediately. Like it was night and day. Um, instead of having just the one OB, all of a sudden I have three midwives um, instead of having a five minute appointment where I felt stupid, even asking questions that were important to me, we have hour long appointments, which I know is not completely standard. And they said, you know, we're catching up for lost time, but my appointments were all like at least an hour. They took the time to sit with me. They took the time to ask how I was actually feeling about things. Um, I just felt really like seen by them. And that was a very positive shift in I don't know if that's like your care plan yet but like in my pregnancy journey um so I feel like we did that probably in June or July we did it pretty early on yeah um because I mean time was of the essence yeah, <laughs> yeah. early on in the grand scheme of things early but... on in the grand scheme of yeah. things <laughs> yeah um so that was the first big switch I guess we made to our plans yeah and then I guess like, I feel like then July, August had a bit more of like a normal feel, feel like a bringing down of your energy it was almost yeah. like, okay, I'm settling into this. I'm my belly's growing. I'm feeling baby kicks. Um, yeah. I'm just a normal pregnant human. Yeah. Like I felt like I was, you know, I don't know if like settling is necessarily because I was like, I was still just kind of like riding whatever I was on. Um, but I was, I, I was like excited to be still the idea of like, I really have no idea what my, yes. I know yeah, that, that you, was the other thing. Yeah. So we, we like maybe in September. <laughs> yeah. So they, the OB gave me, and this was one of my big points that I remember made me switch to midwives. Cause I was really anxious about the whole due date thing. Um, she gave me a due date at the end of September and I remember showing him like my period track nap. I'm like, I don't know, like that doesn't really make sense based on this and based on some of the dating scans we've seen, basically what had happened at that point. And like, I know that once you get, I know there's like a cutoff somewhere along the line. I forget if it's 20 weeks or 24 weeks, but you know, basically the later in pregnancy that you do your um, anatomy scan or dating ultrasound, the less accurate it becomes, right? Yeah, different they want to do it. Right. Like different babies will grow at different rates. And so we were measuring like a little bit smaller. Um, so he gave me kind of like this, this due date that he's like, well, I'm going to pick this on the calendar. We'll put it at the end of the month. And like, you know, I felt that it was a very casual thing that he did. And I'm like, well, you know, this is kind of important to me to know to plan around. And again, not the due dates are an exact thing, but, um, 
yeah, we had like, we had a huge window that it could have been in it. It could have been based on my last period was, I think it could have been anywhere from like or mid September to to like early October, I guess, something like that. Um, and then, you know, then you also work in like, oh, well, you can technically have, and this is where like, I feel like first pregnancy, like you don't know until you know, I'm like, well, like a term baby can be 37 to 42 weeks. So it's like, I have this due date that already has this buffer of however many weeks and then add on the 37 to 42 weeks and knowing that my mom and my grandma like historically delivered a bit early, like where the heck am I going to land, right? I'm just having a fall baby. Um, so that was, that was one of the big reasons that made me switch. Cause I just like, I get that it was probably, you know, me coming with a lot of anxiety to him, but I really just needed somebody to like sit and explain and talk to me about why they selected that due date and what that actually meant in the scheme of things. Um, I think it actually, like, I, I believe that my due date was going to be earlier. I think it's probably better that he selected later so that nobody was pushing me for an induction list. Um, but that was a big thing. I just like, I think I just really needed to feel heard at that time. And the midwives were a lot better about navigating those conversations with me. Like, I think that was just my hill to die on. because I felt like I didn't have a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't um, know how much you um, read your own comment section. Cause I know on bigger pages, <laughs> they get wild. And I know people for their own mental space need to like, cut oh, yeah. point. but I remember kind of watching your comment section in towards the end of September. And like, man, people have a lot to say about what you do. Oh, do they ever about going overdue and you're like I don't even know if I am overdue (laughs) right like I mean the the due dates are funny like they're definitely funny in hindsight and like I am glad that I never shared like a countdown or anything like that I remember you guys literally cautioned us against that um I think during the prenatal class because it's like okay first of all the likelihood of that happening very very low and like for me even lower right um but yeah, like from, from once we kind of got things settled and got into a flow with the midwife care team, July and August, like, I feel like I was actually able to enjoy my pregnancy and I, and I did enjoy it. Like I really, I love the belly. I, you know, we went on some trips, like we did what we could in the scheme of like, also trying to be aware of the fact that like, okay, I'm self-employed. I have not had time to plan a mat leave. I work in fitness. I am not going to be able to do fitness for many several weeks after having a baby you know so there was a lot to kind of do in the meantime um but it it was great like I had a great summer um toward the end of August I definitely started to get like because I didn't know when my due date was like so I'm like I and I'd never had a baby before so I'm like I don't know what anything means and I'd started to have some Braxton Hicks but I'm like I yeah it's nothing right like I think it's just because I'm walking um so I guess somewhere along the line, Sarah, we must have done like, I don't know, like another chat or something. Maybe we did like our birth chat or pre, I don't know what we did. But I remember when you suggested a home birth and I was like, that really, that threw me off because it was like the same conversation that we basically had at the start where you're like, okay, Abby, you have these desires over here you have these preferences for your birth and then here's your current plan and I feel like there might be a bit of friction between these two ideas and I feel like we basically had that talk again so I'm like okay like I have my midwives I really want like my whole thing was I'm like I don't just want an unmedicated birth I want a minimal intervention birth like I'm not kidding when I say do not touch me like I would like to go in the forest and like have a baby but like not go in the forest and have a baby you know what I'm saying (laughs) and so um you're like you know you don't have to go to a hospital. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I like, and I'd, I'd seen, cause I, since I found out I was pregnant, I started following a bunch of um, pregnancy pages, ones that share positive birth stories. So I'd seen people doing like the home births, uh, the inflatable tubs. I'd seen all that, but I'm like, well, those are, you know, those are veterans over there, right? Like those are people who know what they're doing. Okay. And uh, that's, that's not for me. Like, am I even allowed to do that? Is that legal? Do I need a permit or something? And like, I really just did not think I, like I was allowed to do that. Like, I'm like, do I have to ask somebody to do this? I'm, I don't know. I'm very, this is all very new for me. 
um so you suggested and like at first I was like that's crazy no but maybe and I'm like I'll talk to I'll talk to the midwives about it just because I'm like I feel like I need somebody to run this by because when you said it I'm like okay crazy the, the, <laughs> the word the word home birth to me felt crazy but when we started talking about the logistics I'm like those don't feel crazy but just the right. word home birth feels crazy so I'm like maybe I'll just kind of like bounce this off midwives and if they give me a crazy look then I'll know it's crazy but if they're like no I think we could do this then like you know maybe we'll lean into it so at my next midwife appointment um I forget what we talked about that week they had like a whole curriculum that we went over each appointment it was great and we just brought it up. I'm like, yeah, I was talking to my doula and um, I really want like a minimal intervention birth. And, you know, I just have some concerns about if I'm in the hospital about maybe being a little restricted, maybe not being able to relax fully, you know, a lot of people moving in and out. I really just want to have my own space. So like, what are your thoughts on home birth? They're like, oh, we love home birth. Like we have to do a certain number of home births, you know, to, to make sure that like, I'm not a state practice or something. And I'm like, oh, and I forget if it was you or them, or maybe you explained it and then they like reaffirmed it. They're like, yeah, like if you want to do a home birth, what we do is we bring all our, all, all our supplies to your house. Um, you just need a few basic things that like, we don't make a mess pretty much, but yeah, as long as you have a table, we'll just set up. It's, it's, it's okay. They were so nonchalant about it that I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe, maybe this isn't like super nutty and like crazy right like I, I'm not literally going in a forest right um <laughs> so I started taking it more seriously and I wasn't I wasn't for sure for sure on it for a little bit and I was not ready to share it with anybody I was most definitely not going to share it on social media because I'd already I'd had a little taste of people's opinions and I'm like I don't care I don't want to hear it um and I, I think I also took a while to tell my mom because even though she's like the most supportive and like, you know, she, she loved birth. She had really positive birth experiences. Um, I suspected that that may be a little like, okay, Abby, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I knew I needed to have my facts straight before I told her that about like, no, you know, they have the same supplies as a level one hospital. And did you know there's different levels of hospitals? Like, how cool is that? You yeah. know, and if we need to go to the hospital, it's this, this long of a drive, but if I'm in an ambulance, even quicker, right? So, um, yeah. So then I guess we started planning for a home birth, maybe in like August, I want to say it was like a little later on that we actually committed to that, but I, I felt really good about it. And I, I feel like my preparation going into birth ended up being like pretty low key because, I, I don't know, like I just, for me to stay calm, not having any clue when I might go into labor, I really, I guess it would seem like in hindsight, I did a lot of things last minute, but I didn't want to make a big deal out of things because if I happen to go into labor sometime soon, I didn't want to be all the way wound up about like, oh, I have to have everything in its place. I have to have my entire checklist. I have to have all of this packed. I have to have this and this ready. Like I told myself I was going to pack a hospital big. I never did. Um, I had my, I had my birth boxes. I had my like electrolytes. I had some gummies I had applesauce packs. Like I, the most prep I did was I got my, um, whatever they are like shower curtains and black towels. And like, I don't know, like, I felt like I was kind of missing something, but at the same time I felt pretty relaxed about it. And I'm like, I think this is how I'm supposed to feel. So, you know, we're going to figure it out. Right. Um, so that was leading up to the birth. Is there anything that you feel like I'm missing going to that? I did a lot of physical prep too, but we can maybe come back to that after the birth On story. my end, I remember, so I went to Spain. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you were in Spain. And to Portugal. And I remember being so gutted that you were going to have this baby yeah. while I was gone. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I was just so excited. And Laura does an amazing job. We are really, truly interchangeable. So it was not that. I knew she would do a great you job. You just really too. wanted to go. Also, I just, ahead of telling your story, which I'm wondering if we should do a part two here um, and tell your actual birth story on another episode. We, we um, probably could. <laughs> but I there's a lot. Your birth is still to this date the most hands-off birth yeah. I've ever been to. So when you said like, I don't want anyone touching me, including yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to rush through the birth. And even you have so much amazing information to share about postpartum. Yeah. Too, so I think we should definitely maybe wrap it up and schedule a part two. Yeah, that'd be fun. But no, that was, I think that's great. That's I have one question terrible. though. Did you yes. ever poop? Okay. So this is like, this is the one thing that I always forget to address. 
So when I tell my story, people have like two questions. They're like, A, like what happened to the poop? And B, (laughs) like, were you getting periods in the meantime? So I was not getting periods in the meantime, but like in the time that I'd lost my period and then found out I was pregnant, that was still like not really a surprising amount of time. And I wasn't showing anything in the way that I thought I would for a pregnancy. So it wasn't shocking I didn't have a period. Um, The poop. So I learned something from my midwives. So good that I switched over. So I learned that, um okay this kind of goes together so the poop basically baby was any position that was effectively causing an obstruction um funny enough that was the week that I popped and like started showing up on theory all of a sudden like I literally have in my camera roll time stamped proof that I had a six pack the week before and then all of a sudden the next week there's a bump I look like a completely different person um so I learned from my midwives because I was measuring small on the fundal measurement throughout my pregnancy, even though I ended up having like a very average weight baby, I measured small and my bump was small for a really long time. Um, so there are, I think four different pelvis shapes. You can look it up. I forget the names of them, but I have whichever one is like the long and deep pelvis. So I guess I have high hip bones. And so there's a lot of room for her to hide under my hip bones, basically. Um, right literally so she was probably effectively causing a bowel obstruction and then when she popped and moved up things like it like the symptoms disappeared like it so it it was a positional thing that just like luck of the draw (laughs) which I mean good because I don't really would have noticed her for a while longer otherwise yeah oh I'm glad you Yes. Yes. That was, that was a very, and I mean, going home that night after I found out I was pregnant, I was also upset because I'm like, well, how am I going to poop? Like now I feel like I especially can't take laxatives because I have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the next, the next week I got things going. Oh. So were you like a total of then Friday to Friday, the next week? So it was like nine days without a poop. Probably. Yeah. Probably around that. Oh, yeah. thinking, like would we have just told her to do inversions I don't even know what we would have said to do I don't even know I feel like I don't know it yeah, was really yeah. a perfect storm of a lot of things going on that led to that <laughs> oh wow well thank you for all of this yes I it's one of the ones I'm gonna listen to again yeah. <laughs> rarely happens anymore but okay so much great I wrote down a whole page of notes so <laughs> I'm excited for this and I'm excited for part two. Yeah. Yes. All All right. right. We'll chat soon. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Bye, Abby. See ya. We would just love it if you would take the time to leave us a five-star rating, a review. If you'd subscribe to our show, you can screenshot it while you're listening to us and even share it on the gram. Remember, you are important too. Disclaimer, we are not medical professionals. Everything said here is our own opinion and not to be taken as medical advice. We do not take any responsibility from the outcomes of you taking our advice. Please seek medical advice from your trusted healthcare professionals.